Hello everyone and welcome to Next Generation Saints. I'm your host, Nick Coons. So today I wanted to go and talk about something that's been on my mind for quite a while, but I don't think anyone really had a definition of it. Um, two particular things. One's going to be about progressive Christianity, embracing, uh, and it's more or less about what they teach. And I want to focus more on the progressive Christianity on embracing the homosexual um, world, the LGBTQ lifestyle. And then uh, the last little part of this I wanted to cover about the prosperity gospel, the one that Joel Olstein is a huge fan of. Uh, I see, Joy, I believe, Joyce Myers as well. Basically, um, yeah, teaching what what's it about and why is it so popular. But at the same time, then, I'm going to bring up a verse about how it is not actual Christianity. It is not what Jesus taught and is actually completely false doctrine. So let's jump into this. So progressive Christianity, I was trying to figure out the best way to talk about what is progressive Christianity. Because we hear about progressive politics and it's very left-wing organizations. It's very much in the areas of social justice. Well, progressive Christianity takes a lot of social justice systems that we have in our political atmosphere and places them right inside of, um, well, into the Christian, well, into their idea of the Christian faith. I was actually looking up on Wikipedia and I know it's the best one I found that gave the best basic definition these because after all Wikipedia anyone can write pretty much anything they want so progressive Christianity represents a postmodern theological approach and is not necessarily synonymous with progressive politics it's not necessarily but it, it I would say it's fairly close to it 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 um, deploys out the liberal Christianity of out of the liberal Christianity and modern era, which is rooted in entitlement thinking, enlightenment thinking, I apologize. Progressive Christianity is a post-liberal movement within Christianity that seeks to reform the faith via insight of post-modernism and the reclaiming of the truth beyond verifiable historical and factual evidence of the Bible by affirming the truths within the stories that may not have actually happened. So they're reinventing it. They're reinventing Christianity in the basically a new era. And if it's new, it's not true. If it's old, it's actually accurate. Now, what I want to point out here is what they'll say this and I'll read on progressive Christianity as described by the adherents is characterized by willingness to question traditional acceptance of human diversity, a strong emphasis on social justice, and care for the poor and oppressed. The environment stewardships of the earth, progressive Christians have a deep belief in the certainty of the instruction of one lo lo uh, instruction to quote one love one another, which is found in John chapter fifteen verse seventeen, with the teachings of Jesus Christ. This leads focus of prominent values such as compassion, justice, mercy, and tolerance, often though um, political activism, often through sorry political activism, though prominent, the movement is by no means the only significant movement of progressive thought through uh, among Christians. There's a big problem with this, very big problem with it right off the bat. I can look at. It. I'm going to bring up one if you guys ever. Uh, you listen to the podcast, if you can think of anything else, put it in the comments below. What we see here is we're tolerance. Now, no, I don't really recall ever reading anything in the Bible about tolerance. 
we are to love one another, but we the tolerance, the problem I see with the tolerance from the political, especially since this has connections to, to politics, tolerance nowadays is very much about like going into a school and tolerating um, pedophiles, which now they're trying to tell us you can't call something a pet, somebody a pedophile, even if they're a, guy, a man or woman who wants to have sexual intercourse with a minor, you must call them a minor attracted persons or a MAP for the acronym. It's disgusting. And we are told tolerance. We want tolerance. We want tolerance. This is something the Bible teaches. Tolerance. I go, the Bible doesn't teach us tolerance. I'm not really read I've never read anything that says tolerance. The Bible clearly teaches us to love, to show love and compassion. There's nothing wrong. I, I don't see anything with that. And I agree with this. Compassion, justice, and mercy. Yes. But tolerance, no. Not at all. Evil, the reason, and it may be when you first hear this, you go, oh my gosh, tolerance isn't taught? Oh my gosh, you must be a bigoted, closed-minded person. Let me explain. The devil comes in to seek and destroy, seek, kill, and destroy. And what he'll do is he'll come in with, say, minor attractive people or the pedophiles. We'll try to be told to accept homosexuality. We'll be told to accept teaching, having drag shows for your children. We're going to be taught to accept that your child will go to the hospital now and have their um, their genitalia removed by surgery. Or that it's okay to believe that transgenderism is not a mental disorder. Tolerate evil. God does never say to tolerate evil. Jesus never said to tolerate. He never even taught it. He never acted like he tolerated evil. When when Satan came to Jesus after he had been baptized by John the Baptist, he went to the desert, into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And Satan came up to him. Jesus showed no tolerance to Satan. None at all. Satan showed up and he was like, you know what? Let's. I'm going to try to tolerate you. Let's try to work something out. You know, what if I just had an acceptance over you wanting me to worship you? What if I what if I just gave a little bit of that just to show how tolerant I was of you? Or what, what if I just bend my knees to your will to show tolerance? Jesus gave no foothold for Satan. If Jesus gives no foothold to Satan, does not show tolerance whatsoever towards evil, the spirit of Satan. He didn't show tolerance to the Pharisees. They showed he showed he showed compassion and he showed compassion and mercy to people who came and recognizing they were sinners. Like Nicodemus came up to him and he didn't show he didn't show tolerance to all the Pharisees when they're doing something, but when Nicodemus showed up and said, We know that you are from God, who are you know, what you are son of God. We get John three sixteen about how, how I was one to be born again to enter the kingdom of God. That's a different story. He wasn't showing tolerance, especially when he called out the, the Pharisees as hypocrites. He called them whitewashed tombs. He called out sin as what sin was. He did show compassion for those who were hurting. He showed compassion for those who were seeking him. He showed mercy to those who were seeking him. Like the woman caught in adultery. She was butt naked, caught in the middle of trying to have having a sexual affair with another man. She's hauled out butt naked in front of all these Pharisees, in front of public, public humiliation, thrown on the ground. And she is just on the ground, just like, I imagine her like in the fetal position, you know, defeated and just humiliated. And Jesus showed her mercy and compassion. That's a different story. 
When you have people who are sinners who turn to Jesus in repentance, he shows them mercy and compassion. And then the justice that we see here is when he died on the cross. But no, does Christianity ever teach about tolerance? Not in that sense of letting evil exist. No. We are not to let evil exist. We are not to give it a foothold. What does it say in Isaiah? Uh, it says that, um, recognize, I'm going to paraphrase here. Recognize the devil come to you. Um, reject the devil and he will flee from you. Reject him. Reject these horrible, these sinful ideas. Now the next question I guess is going to be then, why is Christianity embrace homosexuality? Well, this is the article I was reading. <laughs> I'm trying to read this by Diazem Magazine. Decent magazine, I guess. I'm, I'm probably completely butchering this. This is the evangelical voice for today. He says, number one, a willingness to twist the word of God. Progressive Christians face a dilemma that in that it claims to uphold scripture while approving things in the, the Bible call sin. That is correct. <clears throat> Some have claimed that the Bible right uh, writers had no understanding and concept of sexual orientation, so their con condemnation of homosexuality refers only to explo uh, exploitation, sexual um, excess, or sexual and uh, or abuse, and not committing same-sex relationships. But as R. Albert Moholer, I think I'm just butchering these last names, has pointed out that that approach leads to a uh, haunting question: What does the Bible? What does the Bible not know about what it means to be human? If the Bible cannot be trusted to reveal truth about us in, in every respect, how can we trust it to reveal our salvation? Good point. Misunderstanding of God's love. That's another one that has happened so many times. I've had so many people say, well, love is love. God is love. God just loves. Love is love. Progressive Christianity believes that love requires affirmation of a person's sexual orientation. I've come across this quite often, even if it's a blatant contradiction of God's word. I've had this happen so many times where it'll be, you know, progressive Christians will come out and say, all right, I didn't call them Christians, really. I'm just a progressive super masquerade as Christians. Come out and say, oh, my friend's gay. Let's just affirm because loving that person, we need to love them. And show them support through this time. Or transgender. We need to support them through all this time. And that's true. That they will show. That th that they believe love. Is all about good feelings. Affirmation towards that person. To affirm them is to be loving. It's it's kind of like when I was listening to Ben Shapiro. And he actually brought up. He said the Bible taught. That, to, he says that, um, too many fake Christians say. That being a good Christian means. You need to feel good. You need to affirm the person you need to you know it's all about being nice but realistically when you read the bible it's not about being nice i have never read anything in the bible that says just be a nice and good person or no sorry to be a good person yes be a good person don't yeah don't you don't have to be nice that's not part of the purview let me give an example here i've worked security for g4s over Corona regional medical center years ago when i was living in california over there, I came across several people who were druggies. They would be, they'd come in, threaten to kill themselves, and we'd have to put them into a uh, room, right? And they had to have me as a security officer watching them. We could have anything, sharp objects or anything that they could use to possibly use to hurt themselves or end their lives. And these guys would come in, and they were, you could tell they were druggies. 
They would come in and they would say, oh my gosh, I have like a horrible stomachache. I'm going to die. I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to do all this. If you just give me thus or so drug, if you just give me this one drug, everything will be fine. I'll leave and everything's cool, right? And at face value, it sounds great until you realize you say, okay, I can't give you that said medication because it is a controlled substance. Just like when you go to the doctor and you, and you want to get antibiotics, you need a doctor's um, prescription in order to obtain those things. It's not just like going over and getting some Benadryl or an Advil or some ibuprofen from a lo local CVS store. You need to get that. So when you tell them, no, we need to get a doctor's note for this, like you need to have an examination to get this even done, then they get very frustrated and angry and, and whatnot at you. And the, I'd have this, I have to, seriously, I'm a short guy. I'm like 5'3", right? I'm not a big guy. But I've had to deal with people who are like 6'3", who are looking at me going, just like, I need this medication, man. Just give it to me. Just give it to me. I'm like, no, sir. Back down. Sit down. You're not thinking in your head. No, we're not going to do this. And they'll stare and they'll be all f furious at you because you won't give them their, they call it medication. I won't give them their addicted drug, the drug they're addicted to. <clears throat> now, does that make me a jerkwad? Does that make me a bad person? Because I won't affirm their addiction and give them temporary relief by giving them their med their drug of choice. Does that make me someone because uh, that's that's a bad person, or am I showing love and compassion to that person by not giving them that because I recognize this drug is dangerous and destructive to them, just like lifestyles in our world. We see people that have lifestyles in our world that are destructive. Pick your poison. You probably have someone or know somebody in your life, or somebody somehow you know somebody in your life who probably has the same issue. Therefore, when progressive Christians come out and say they want to that love is about affirming a person's whatever it is, in this case their sexual orientation, even if it's a blunt contradiction to God's word, is horrifically bad. The article continues on. The United Church of Christ, for example, describe um, decries. The bullying or oppression of people of the LGBT community, and rightly so. But it conflates love and aff um, affirmation, starting, um, stating that it boldly affirms, celebrates, and embraces the gifts of ministry of lesbian, gay, and bisexual persons. So they're willing to sacrifice the truth for a lie, like in the book of Romans, uh, chapter 1, where it talks about these things. And says people are going to get rid of sound doctrine in, in the end times in order to affirm these people what they want. God's love does not neglect, um, neglect his holiness or his just judgment. This goes to Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 14. For God will bring every good work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether it's good or evil. Number three. A disregard of holiness of God. Progressive Christians emphasize tolerance and acceptance, but they tend to reject the Bible's teachings about sin and judgment. I have come across this many times. You ever heard of when they go, Who am I to judge? God will God will judge. Just like God judge. I'm not going to judge. God will judge. And I'm going to affirm you, and God will know that my heart is good. No. He doesn't. Because Christianity doesn't. Again, we don't emphasize about tolerance. We emphasize about loving and compassion to somebody, not tolerance. If someone's doing something, again, I can't emphasize it enough, something evil, I'm not going to tolerate the evil that they're doing. I will love them. I will have compassion over their situation. 
but I will not tolerate evil. And I'll make it clear, if you're going to bring evil to this household, you're not going to be welcomed here. I will love you. I will have compassion over your situation. I will do my power to have you grow away from this evil, this sin you're doing. But I will not accept it and I will not tolerate it. And that's what needs to be done on that. They ignore, the, um, this continues on. They ignore the fact that God is absolutely holy, that it requires people to be holy. You need to see First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 15 through 16. And that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. In the end, they think God will simply accept everyone. So there's no need to live by his commandments and, um, or turn away from what he forbids. Because if, and that's actually one thing I was just thinking about that pops in my head right now. That is true. A lot of it has been, well, you know, we just, you know, God loves everyone. Didn't he die for everyone? I had this argument with an atheist before when I was working at Disney. It was a lesbian atheist. And she had told me, well, I'm going to go to heaven. I go, well, what do you mean by that? How do you know you're going to go to heaven? She goes, well, I'm going to go to heaven because Christ died for me. I'm going to heaven. I go, he did die for you, but you rejected. She goes, but he died for me. I go, right. But since you won't repent, stop being a lesbian, living the lifestyle of a lesbian, and accept Jesus and follow what he wants you to do in your life. Since you tell him to get out of Dodge, the crucifixion does not apply to you. The action was done, but the, but, oh, how to say this? But the the legal doc the, le the legality of what happened doesn't apply to you because you rejected the Messiah. You rejected him completely. So yes, the action is there once you want to repent. And she was very furious at me for even suggesting that. How could you? I, I I Jesus died for me. I'm going to go to heaven. But they but the LGBT community and progressive most just like progressive Christians don't accept that. Oh my gosh. LGBTQ whatever lifestyle is sinful that God calls us to repent of our wicked ways to trust in him to make it into heaven God will simply because again it says in the end they think God will simply accept everyone so there is no need to live by his commandments or turn away from what he forbids <clears throat> now switching gears here I wanted to talk to you guys. Um, I had a family member over in Florida. I was I was visiting my wife's uh, uncle. Nice guy. Um, he's a veteran from I believe Vietnam. But I found out when I was there because we were there was a Sunday and my mother-in-law was going to go ahead and head off to Catholic Mass because she's a very hardcore devout Catholic and as you know I'm not. And so I try to keep the peace with the family. I just kind of let people, I let, you know, them, di you do you. I've tried to witness to them, but I have learned that you have more chance um, baptizing a very, very uh, angry bobcat with extreme rabies and just put that into your mind and doing that. So I just, you do you. So uh, Felicia and I, my wife and I, went into the other room. We took, uh, took out my phone, plugged it into the wall because my battery sh was terrible on my iPhone. I've had it for forever. And we logged into um, my church, the North Bible. We started listening to my pastor, uh, Jay, and started listening to the sermons like we usually do when we were out. And my I went outside to go get some coffee really fast just because, you know, hey, guy could use a cup. <clears throat> and my 
wife's uncle was sitting there watching TV, and he was at church service too. And I looked over, and I see a very familiar face, Joel Olstein. That's right. The man, the myth, the legend himself. The prosperity gospel man. Now, it's interesting. The prosperity gospel, um, let's see here. <laughs> the prosperity gospel has roots in teaching that, um, the prosperity gospel teaches Joel Olstein, I'm just trying to get derailed because I'm trying to see here what, what I'm trying to bring up next. Joel Olstein believes that prayer can make you rich because the prosperity gospel teaches that God wants you to be happy, healthy, and wealthy. Oh my goodness, Joel. Oh my goodness. Anyone who follows the prosperity gospel and those who preach the prosperity gospel, may God have mercy on your soul. So no. The biggest thing is this. like uh, The prosperity gospel has roots in American occult tradition called New Thought. The prosperity gospel, and I'm reading this from an article from Vox, uh, from Vox. I'm not sure how accurate, but let's just roll with this thing. The prosperity gospel is an umbrella term for a group of ideas popular among charismatic preachers in the evangelistic tradition. The unique Christian faith with material and particular financial success. Wow. Yeah, you can see that. God wants you to be wealthy. He wants you to be healthy and prosperous. He, God wants you to have material and financial success. That's what God wants for you. That's what this prosperity gospel is teaching. It has long history of, um, in American culture with figures like Joel Olstein, Jim, and Tammy Faye Baker. Um, glamour, glamorous, flashy dressing tele, uh, televangelists who Disneyland meet Bethany Christine theme park, Heritage USA was once the third most visited site in America. In 2006, Times, Times poll found that 17% of American Christians identify explicitly with the movement, while 31% expo, um, expounds the idea that if you get your money from God, God will bless you with more money. A fully 61% guarantee that the agree with the more general idea that God wants people to be prosperous. Goodness gracious. Oh my goodness. So let's take a break here from this article. Let's take a look. Now you can, I can keep going through this. And um, yes, the prosperity gospel, today's prosperity gospel is also shaped by pro-capitalist and Pentecostals through tradition. So... Basically, it's about, oh, we want to make money. We want to make money. God wants you to have lots of money. He wants you to be wealthy. Here's the thing. If they want to teach that God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous, there's a big hole in it. And this is why I remember Joel Olsting showing up on Larry King back when Larry King was uh, alive. And Larry King had asked him, do you believe that you need to believe, believe in Jesus to get to heaven? What was his response? I, I don't know. This is Joel Olstein, by the way. I'm just saying what he said. I, I don't know. I mean, God loves that. Sorry, he has that like accent. God, he doesn't say God. God loves everybody, right? God loves you. God's okay with you. God's in your back corner. He's the one cheering you on. God is this way. Then his wife, you don't show up to church and worship God because you want to worship God. You're doing it for yourself, not for God. God's happy when you're happy. Dear Lord Almighty. 
So let me re let me give some re one refreshing verse that will pop the whole bubble, in my opinion, about the prosperity gospel. John chapter 16, verse 33, and I'm going to paraphrase it here. Jesus says, you're going to have trials and tribulations, but be, uh, but, but be of good heart and good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Really? So, Mr. Joel Olstein of the Prosperity Gospel, who's made multi-millions of dollars off selling fake information about Christianity, and trust me, Joel, I'm, if I ever hear this podcast, which I highly doubt you will, but if you ever do, Bro, you can't take that wealth uh, to before God because trust me, you're gonna have a lot of explaining to do, and God's gonna look at your heart, brother. I I wish you repentance away from your wicked, evil ways, because after all, how do you think God's gonna treat false false shepherds? But anywho, so what we see here in the prosperity gospel is that it's contradictory to Scripture. Jesus does teach us that we're going to go through trials and tribulations. That just because you give money to a church and you pray over your money doesn't mean God's going to suddenly do like that Harry Potter on uh, and the Deathly Hallows where Harry goes into the Green God's vault and he actually touches a piece of metal, um, a, a gold plate or something else, and it jiggles around and goes, bing, and parts into two or three or five, and suddenly the vault's filling up with loads of gold and whatnot. And, it, and if you were thinking about that, you're like, dang, that's a lot of wealth, right? God doesn't do that. God's not the one that you just, it's not just a magical thing that you just wave your hand, pray over your money, a hundred dollar bill. Next thing you have two million dollars in your bed and you're like, oh, God has blessed me with so much wealth. Can God bless you with wealth? Yes, absolutely. Will he bless you with wealth? Well, that's really depending. Wealth could be a wealthy family. It could be um, uh, a lot of different things. It doesn't mean he's going to bless you with finances. He can bless you with wealth, so time with uh, family, time with um, loved ones. You can ask him for more food and he might bless you with blue had the garden. There's a lot of different things. So when I see that this whole system, oh let's see here. So the pro capitalist one, a second strand of, uh, in the development of American prosperity gospel was the viralization of the Protestant work ethic. Written in nineteen oh five, Max Weber's The Protestant Ethic and the Spiritual and the spirit of capitalism tracked what he saw as specifically Protestant approach to labor as in, as a development of capitalism and industrialization. So they're basically trying to make it sound like, oh, well, if you are a good Christian, you're going to be working and God will bless you through your work and make you really amazing. So what we have are two fundamental schools of thought here that are, are anti-Christian. and One is the progressive Christianity and one is the prosperity gospel. The problem is a lot of people fall into these traps. And that's what I'm seeing. I see in my own family where I have the prosperity, uh, gospel, the prosperity gospel by my wife's uncle and millions of others who have jumped onto the boat of the prosperity gospel. And then other family members, who I won't name yet or anything, where I believe we're jumping onto the progressive Christianity and teaching of just pure tolerance. None of these things are true Bible things. Now, the reason I can, I can also say that I don't that they are not true to the Bible is apart from the Scripture. I tried having a conversation with my wife's uncle just to, to kind of reach out to him, and quite honestly, I had to say this. I don't believe he's a Christian. I don't believe my other family members are Christian in this sense. 
The reason being is, when you try to talk about Jesus, suddenly it becomes a hostile situation. Well, if we're all believing in the same thing, we should be having a great conversation. Iron sharpens iron. But it's clear that we're not. And you probably had the same thing. If, you, if you're having a conversation with someone who claims to be Christian, and you're bringing about Jesus, but it's becoming, and it's not like, and you bring up sound doctrine, a real Christian, two real Christians talking to each other, or Christ followers, will be encouraged by each other. Um, you know, helping each other out. It'd just be fantastic conversation to be held. But those who do not, who are not followers of Jesus, this will be a hostile conversation. So, ultimately what I think is that we need, as a nation need to come back to Jesus Christ. These false doctrines are being preached so much and then social justice is about a God that doesn't exist. It's about a Jesus that doesn't exist from the Bible, that they're inventing. So, I just wanted to get, give you guys an update and let you guys, and let me know what you think, okay? Go in the comments below, let me know if you agree with me, disagree with me, the whole nine yards. So, until next time, we meet again. May God richly bless you all, my dearly beloved.